Welcome in everybody to the Longhorn Republic, your source for Texas Longhorn news, sports, and opinions with a bit of snark built in. We are a podcast at Burn Orange Nation, and you can find more great Texas Longhorn content over at burnorangenation.com. If you like what we do, please leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. It helps get the show out there. Share this with your friends wherever you found it, whether it was Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, anywhere where you find fine podcast content. You can find Kyle and myself. Connect with us on social media at Longhorn Pod on Twitter, the Longhorn Republic on Facebook and Instagram, or shoot us an email, LonghornRepublicPod at gmail.com. My name is Gerald Goodridge. I'm your host this week, like I am every week. And I'm joined by a man who's confronting his fear of both the color purple and wildcats, Kyle Carpenter. Kyle, how are you? You know, if anything, Ted Lasso has gone a long way to make me feel better about uh, football uh, people associated with the state of Kansas. Um, so that, that in, uh, again, uh, Sam Ellinger's uh, enduring effort to to break part of, of Snyder's potion and wizardry and curses. But um, I am here to be friendly because this is a friend. I don't like all K-State Wildcats, mostly the football players and basketball players, baseball <laughs> players. But I do like our friend, JT. We are nine single-digit days away from football and so we are wrapping up the last of our season previews and i think we have saved the best for last so if you're new with the podcast what we're doing is we are taking you through each of the texas longhorns opponents through the 2021 season we've done it every thursday for the last 12 weeks and so we are putting a bow on it with our friend from bring on the cats uh jt van gilderman how are you doing today brother I'm not doing too bad. Uh, school just started up here, so um, all the college kids are back in town. And it's kind of wild and crazy, but uh, it's it's exciting to have things, you know, kind of getting back to normal again. Whatever normal is, it's it's nice to uh, to get as close right. to whatever old normal, new normal, medium normal, whatever normal right. is. Let's get there. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh man! So JT, we'll just we'll just jump. Uh, right into it and we'll start it like we have started the last i guess it's been five or six of these we didn't get all of them because this happened smack dab in the middle of the summer but if you're listening to this podcast and you don't know this what are you doing so texas and ou in the next couple of years are heading to the sec that means that the big 12 and the remaining eight schools have to figure something out to do for the future so jt as a, as a kansas state alum and fan and, and someone who covers the team and what's what's your impression of where kansas state is sitting right now you know weeks out uh from the announcement and, and what's your hope for the future it's of course not the greatest feeling in the world uh, especially Texas has been a part of the Big 12 since the beginning, but but K-State and, and OU, you know, we go back darn near 100 years playing each other. And so, you know, that 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 feels a little bit more like a knife in the back than than Texas wanting to leave because, you know, Texas is always flirting with everybody, at least, you know, in our <laughs> our point of view. So uh, it's uh, it's interesting. You know, we're obviously the other eight schools, you know, none of us are, are big enough names by ourselves to just say, Hey, you know, you know, pick pac 12 or ACC come, you know, take us and, and you, you know, it'll be great. You know, we, we all believe in ourselves and, and you know, K-State's got a great brand and um, you know, shows up in the top, you know, 40, 50 of national brands. So, you know, that's, it's, you know, a lot higher than, than even some other power five schools. So it's not like we're just sitting here at the bottom. But uh, yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. I think uh, you know the the vibe I'm getting out of uh, K State athletics machine is 
is still pretty positive. You know, they're they're working all the angles, I think. I, you know, I don't think they're leaving any stone unturned. Nothing, you know, official, nothing above the board. You know, our 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 leadership is is older, uh, but in a lot of ways I think that helps because they're a lot less brash to set get out there and and start making statements like the guys at, at Tech or, or Oklahoma State where they've got younger ADs, younger presidents, and they, they feel like they've got, you know, they've got to get out in front of this thing and start saying things, whether or not they're prepared to, you know, to actually be, you know, uh, going somewhere, doing something. They're, they're, but they feel like they've got to say something. Whereas our guys are, they're, they're being a little bit more, um, you know, tactical. They're, you know, they're, they're working these things behind the scenes. There's no leaks. There's, you know, they're just very, very deliberate and straightforward. And I appreciate that. There's, there's no sense of panic coming out of, out of K-State. And I, I appreciate that. So at the end of the day, I think it, it's probably K-State's best interest if the Big 12 survives or the group of, of four schools, K-State, Oklahoma State, Texas Tech, and one other ends up with the Pac-12. Um, not that that's ideal. And I don't want to have to, you know, play conference games in Palo Alto or Seattle, but, uh, uh, you know, I think those are the two best options for us right now. And and you personally, JT, if you had to say it, if you you got the 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 best thing that you could imagine and draw up, what what would it? What would your secret? Because uh, I mean, I know you talked about the Midwestern farmer way of you know go about our business, wake up early before everyone else even knows we're out there working, keep it all under wraps. But uh, you, JT, be brash. What would you like to see if you could uh, if you could have any scenario play out ideal whether it's realistic or not what what's the best case scenario uh shoot you know best case scenario for me would be uh, a sudden heel turn <laughs> OU and and Texas decide to stay and oh snap uh A&M and Missouri and Arkansas are coming <laughs> to the Big 12 and Nebraska <laughs> is is spurned by the Big 10 and they're coming back and we're we're creating this uh, you know, power conference here in the, in the, the middle of the country. And I love it. Gonna destroy everybody. So <laughs> hail, hail the gangs all year, steal a couple of the big tens best. You know, I, I like it. Just everyone comes to the, to the center. I kind of, right. I kind of like that. All right. So let's talk about, um, I like that. Let's, I think that's a good point to kind of transition into um, what has been now uh, a solid transition started off very strong with Chris Kleiman coming in never easy to replace a legend with Bill Snyder leaving, but eight and four in his first season started off. Okay. And then lost the last five uh, last year, had some upset wins, you know, or I should not necessarily, I'd say big wins against OU Iowa state. Um, what is, I mean, the, the wheels fell off obviously, but what are the expectations year three coming in for, for climbing as a coach and the idea that he's building this program again, after maybe the greatest program builder in the history of college football, what, what are the expectations? I think uh, you know most reasonable fans are are expecting a return to that year one seven eight wins. Um, you know that 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 lines up pretty pretty safe on the schedule. Um, you know if if Stanford's not as as great as as they have been, or you know the Nevada game goes the way we are, that's you know it's a there's a pretty easy path there to eight wins, a um, couple of upsets, but you know we're we're good for at least one or two of those a year. Um, <laughs> You know, last year was such a screwball year. Um, I mean, we had you saw what the team, the peak of what the team could be against Oklahoma when everybody was healthy and everybody was hitting all cylinders. And then, you know, the the bottoms playing, getting destroyed by Iowa State and Texas to end the year 
when we're starting a, our starting linebackers move back to free safety because we're out of safeties, we're out of linebackers, we're, and then he gets hurt on the first play and, and uh, all of a sudden the defense looks like it's 2010 K state, not playing Texas. And um, you know, gives up a million rushing yards to by John Robinson. So, <laughs> you know, it's uh, you know, go through it a year like this where, you know, we're expecting to, to have fewer of those issues, have fewer uh, game breaking injuries. Uh, you know, we won't have to deal, you know, we're presuming we won't have to deal with, with losing half the, uh, the starting defense to, to COVID protocol and, and stuff like that. So, so really, yeah, eight, you know, uh, you know, things really hit, you know, maybe, maybe 10 wins. Um, if you get, get, certain teams at the right time um and and pick up a couple big upsets uh especially we got you know back-to-back home games against number one number two in the conference and you know you win those two games and you're like oh heck we could win 12 games and you know and in the season in in arlington with the with the big 12 championship game but you know i i'm pretty comfortable saying seven, eight wins is, is the goal. And, and we'd be all be pretty happy about it. I love it. So let's, let's move on to the, the guys that are going to make it happen. So round rocks own deuce Vaughn, uh, kind of exploded onto the scene as a, as a freshman, uh, finish off the regular season with a couple of big performances in spite of, uh, the outcome there. And so what's, what are the sophomore expectations for him? Like what's, how does he avoid a sophomore slump kind of coming off of, uh, a really, really good outing for a, for a true freshman? led the team in both rushing yards and receiving yards as a true freshman five, five running back. That's, I mean, not, not only bad. that tells you how, how messed up the season was, but how great he is, uh, you know, of an athlete. I think what'll help him the most is having some more of those complimentary pieces back by the end of the season. He was pretty much the only running back. Uh, we had, we had lost a good kid. He decided to opt out. He's back. Um, Joe Irvin out of South Carolina, He's uh, the coaches have just been talking him up like crazy. He's, he's a bit more of a smaller uh, back too, but, but quick. And, but now we've got some big guys back there that, that should be um, be able to, to step in have more of like a thunder and lightning kind of deal, take some of that pressure off a of deuce so that he doesn't have to carry the whole load, which should then, you know, open up you know, opportunities to, to allow him to continue to flourish where, you know, he doesn't not forced to be that guy. And now defenses can't key on him because there's other guys out there. I think that'll really help. Uh, same thing, uh, you know, in the receptions category with the return of Malik Knowles, uh, Texas fans will probably remember him from yeah. the, uh, the 2019 game where he had, he went off, he exploded that game. Like it was his best game all year. And that's the Malik we knew we could get but he's never stayed healthy for a whole season. He's never stayed healthy for a whole off season, but this year he's finally, he, he was at every spring practice. He's been at every fall camp. He looks healthy, no injuries. He's been doing great. And if, and if he can really step up and be the, you know, the leading receiver, then again, that allows Deuce to do some of those gadget plays the those bubble screens that, uh, that Darren Sproles was so good at back in the day, you know, is this same kind of player, you know, he can get it yards on the ground you can get yards after reception and uh just having those other guys healthy and back is i think really you know going to help him he may not have you know i i think he'll have more yards but you'll be surprised how he gets them 
Yeah, if he's not playing Texas, one of my favorite players in the country to watch. It was interesting when they released the uh, they have to put out, uh, you know, a top two in the, the Big 12 first team. I was curious who out of Brees Hall, uh, Bijan and, and Deuce would get left out. They had to leave one out. Um, but I, I, you know, Deuce is, is a I think those are three of probably the the. 10 most interesting and fun running backs to watch, but it's not just running backs, right? And and the big kind of reason for the offensive drop-off and the big theme that you've referenced a few times is injuries. I think, um, you know, getting a quarterback back who was hurt last year kind of coincided with the fall-off in, in Skylar Thompson, a guy who I think is is really criminally underrated honestly i think he's he's a good player has been a good player um and, and i don't think gets the kind of national or even conference uh prestige i mean w- what does it look like for him is he completely healthy is he ready to go are the expectations pretty high for him leading the offense oh yeah he's he's definitely ready to go um you know that that rico jeffers cheap shot knocked him out off of what would have been a promising season for him i've always uh, likened him a lot to uh, alex smith um that you know talk about super cerebral underrated like he, he makes all the good plays he doesn't make bad plays um and so getting him back is huge i mean not only do you get a good quarterback but you get a guy that's played in the big 12 for the better part of five seasons now and you, you just can't replicate that kind of experience and seeing different defenses and playing against these top guys all the time you know i felt so bad for will howard i mean he got came in, he graduated early from high school. He didn't get spring practice because our spring practice didn't start until after the COVID shutdown. And so nobody got spring practice. So he essentially went from high school to division one football with, you know, extremely limited practices still did pretty well overall. That's another thing for, for Skyler. Now he can go out and play and feel free because he's got a kid now behind him that played nine games last year. And now has had a, a full spring, a full off season. He's grown, he's, he's mature. And so Skyler being that, the team leader guy, he knows he can go out and do whatever he needs to. And no worries because the guy right behind him is ready to go, you know, no matter what. So let's just, you know, air it out. Let's have some fun. Let's, let's do things, but he, he's definitely ready. Um, one thing though, he's, he's going to trick a lot of fans this year. Cause he switched numbers. Mm-hmm. Um, He's, oh. He uh, he he went back to his high school number, which is number seven. But for K State fans, that's also the number that Colin Klein wore, and right. also the number that Michael Bishop wore. So, mm. you know, pressure. Uh, <laughs> you know, he he put that on himself. He wanted to wear that number. So uh, uh, when a uh, when number seven's behind center for K State, good things tend to happen. So <laughs> you know, we're uh, we're 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 excited to have him back. That's for sure. I want to be a fly on the wall for a conversation with Colin Klein and Skylar Thompson when he has a bad game and they talk about, yeah, it's like my, I'm named after my dad. And he, he told me as a kid, like, you've got my name, don't ruin it. And I wonder if there's going to be like, <laughs> you've got my number kid. Don't screw this up from Colin. <laughs> right. Klein. He's not that kind of guy, but no, no. Talk about like having a bad game. He can, at least Colin can always point back to, uh, to 2010 and like, Hey, you know, that, there was a game where I threw a, fewer passes to my own team than the uh the opposing quarterback <laughs> did so all right i just had to bring that one up <clears throat> it's fine i appreciate that really 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 do uh so let's move on to something else no um something that's likely going to help both 
you know, Deuce Vaughn and Skylar Thompson. Um, is the Wildcats offensive line. They've actually got a deep group in there. Uh, got a pretty experienced core, especially starting at the center position. So, like, how is that group shaping up? They're one of the, you know, they're probably going to be one of the sneaky, better offensive lines in the conference. What's that group going to look like, and how are they shaping up for the fall? That's one of the weird positions, like, like they're the old line coach for K State, Connor Connor Riley. He's he's great, but like he's he's always like this real stoic guy. But but this year he's come in. He's he's been so excited about these guys. I mean, legit. I mean, talking about a legit like ten deep across the board. They you know they always talk about like five best guys play, um, but you know they they think they're you know full on two deep every position. You know, and they they really they have like eight guys that started games last year because of injuries, because of COVID um, some really good guys on that line, but yeah, Noah Johnson, I mean, he's been around as long as Skyler has um, those two have, have worked together for, you know, so much they're on the same page, huge leader, you know, maybe even more so than Skyler. Like the coaches were, were ecstatic to have Johnson back just because of that, that leadership line, that, that, that key, you know, the, of the old line, uh, but we got, you know, some other guys, Cooper Beebe, Kansas kid. I mean, he's, he's playing out of position at left tackle. Uh, and we've, we've had guys like that before, uh, you know, they had to play out of position at tackle because it was the best lineman. That's they got to stick him out there. And, you know, naturally, you know, at the next level, he'll slide into guard a lot like Dalton Reisner did when he went, uh, you know, to Denver. But, you know, you got guys like that playing out of position that could play inside. Uh, while the younger guys are still coming up at tackle, you got huge guys like Josh Revis. He's another big Kansas kid, six six. He came in the program at like three sixty or something, and he's he's wow. down to three seventeen. He's he's trimmed up, you know, added on good weight and um, competing. Uh, Christian Duffy, humble Texas kid. Yeah, he's he's probably the starter at the you know the right tackle spot. But those guys, I mean, it, it really is kind of plug and play along that line, you know, and if somebody goes down, it's the next man up and they're, they're going to play really well, uh, open up holes for Deuce and, and the running backs and, and given Skyler all the time he wants. And it's going to be, uh, it's going to be like, like two years ago, um, you know, Kleiman's first year and he came in and we had five starters uh, that had, that had played for two years together. And, of course, you know, it, it didn't help that there were five seniors. And so then the next year, this last year was terrible because we were breaking in five new linemen with yeah. no practice. Uh, but now those guys are all fire tested. Um, and it's it's really going to be uh, great to see, you know, five returning starters, five guys that, that are really going to be good and, and uh, see what they can do uh, to get this offense moving. Well, and we, we talked a lot about the office, offense, and maybe that's your preference because last year the defense – was not the greatest unit in the history of Kansas State football. It's kind of odd to say that, but that was not a strength of this team. Um, you know, giving up 30 points in, in six of their last uh, 10 games, I believe. And then you have to replace, you know, I think inarguably the best player on that defense in Wyatt Hubert. So what does it look like uh, to, to fill those holes and get back to kind of the, the Kansas State defense that, that people have come to associate? Yeah, and, and defense is still going to be uh, the the question mark this year, like, you know, we're, like you said, we're, we're real excited about the offense, all the people that are returning on the offense and the, the guys that are coming back, the guys that are healthy again, but defense is a big question mark. Um, and, and you could tell, you know, that was something the coaches saw too. And they addressed that with a bunch of transfers 
pretty much every transfer that came in was on the defensive side of the ball. Julius Brents came from Iowa. I yeah. mean, he, he's a guy that they were expecting to be a starter, um, you know, future NFL guy. Corner, we've got uh, Russ Yeast, who is at Louisville, uh, coming in for his last year. Sincere Mason, who is at Kennesaw State. Reggie, so, like everybody in the back, you know, they've got, they were excited they, to get John McPherson back, but, you know, they, they really had to, to retool that, that whole back end of the, the defense. I mean, there's a bunch of young guys that, that saw a lot of action last year, but, you know, they're still young and, and we saw what happened and, and, you know, that was, that was somewhere that where they, they really, they hit hard. Uh, also defensive tackle uh, pulled in Timmy Horn from, from Charlotte. He's, he's really stood out so far um, to replace Drew Wiley in the interior. The defensive ends, I think are probably one of the areas where we're like least concerned as, as far as the defense is. I mean, yeah, we lose Wyatt Hubert and he's great, but that was actually one of the few positions that was, stocked with talent and they they didn't really have to rotate a lot last year those guys actually stayed healthy all year they stayed you know active um and so there's there's some guys there boom massey uh lufkin kid he's he's been around forever too he uh he'll he'll slide in that spot that that hubert got uh, vacated uh on the other side Cleed duke's been a two-year starter now he started as a true freshman in uh in 2019 Definitely a disruptive force on that side, uh, but I mean, there's there's two or three guys um, at defensive end that could that could easily step in um, and and cause havoc in the back, and and I think they're pretty excited about that unit. Um, and as much as as they retooled the defensive backfield and they were worried about it, I think most K State fans are still, you know, primarily worried about linebacker. Mm. Um, we lost. Elijah Sullivan, who was great, um, had been around for a while already, um, playing for the 49ers right now, or at least I, I think he, he made the last round of cuts anyways. Um, and they, they tried real hard to bring in uh, some transfers in that group. They got one, um, Eric Munoz from Utah State, but he's really more of a depth piece, uh, you know, kind of a, he's, he's, he's a seasoned vet, but he's, he's not a starter at this level. But they, they, they went real hard after linebackers didn't get them, but we've still got Daniel Green. He's a super talented kid out of Oregon that could be real good, but the, the depth there is is mm. a huge question mark. It's, it's pretty much him and then a bunch of unknowns, uh, freshmen and guys that have moved positions. Um, you know, it's just, it's, it's a real weird group. And, you know, if, if they play well, then I think the rest of the defense is just fine. But that, that, that could definitely be a weak link against, uh, you know, some of the more higher paced Big 12 teams that, you know, like to put the ball over the middle and, and like to go after those kind of guys. When we talk about returning to, to normal, uh, somewhere around week seven, some clever writer is going to write this week's sign of the apocalypse after Kansas State's in, in five consecutive uh, 50 point shootout offensive <laughs> uh, duels. It's going to be, it's the new normal is wild. <laughs> Right? And that may be, you know, like the only way we're winning games is, is, you know, it, it's looking like, like Baylor and TCU in 2014 and like everybody's <laughs> just scoring 70 points and the first team to, you know, first team to 70 wins, you know, like a basketball score. So, or, or they could surprise us all and, and be one of the best units in the country. And, you know, who knows? <laughs> Never put it past. 
Mercury will be in retrograde for like four weeks in the <laughs> fall. And so if that coincides, I definitely will. I'm not a like ast- astrology person, but if those, if, if K state wins like four fifty point shootouts while Mer- Mercury is a met- retrograde, I'm going to start he- looking for like horsemen and listening for trumpets because <laughs> yeah. the world's coming to an end. Right. Right. Let's, let's put a button on the, the football talk real quick. And like, what's the storyline that you're watching for the year? If you look back and you're, you're kind of tracking something all the way through to see whether or not this year is successful, what's the storyline that you're watching? Uh, definitely looking at, um, you know, can, can climate rebuild out of a year like 2020 where nothing went to plan and they had some locker room issues. They had to get rid of guys like, you know, what happens? So I, and I remember this very well because I was in college at the time, and like the Ron Prince years, you know, <laughs> we, you know, that first year was great and wonderful. And the second year started out so great and wonderful, but things fell apart. And that was, well, can, can he rebuild it? Can, can he pull things back together? And year three was just as bad. And, you know, then Snyder had to come back. So, you know, Snyder's not coming back this time. He, he can't, he's not <laughs> physically capable of coming back at this, you know, this time. So, you know, we kind of have to see is Chris Kleiman going to work. And, you know, I, I have a lot of faith in him and last year was just so screwed up that it's, it's hard to, to, to put any sort of, you know, enough caveats on 2020, but um, you know, can, can he rebuild, does the team regain that its confidence from 2019? Can it be consistent? Um, you know, even in 2019, when things were good, there was still inconsistency, especially towards the end of the year. So, so can we, can we return to form? Can we be consistent? Uh, does it look like we're, you know, then growing towards the future? Maybe, you know, maybe not win in the big 12 title this year, but, um, here in, here in a couple of years, maybe when Will Howard's a, uh, you know, a, junior or senior that kind of thing like you know what what are we building for you had to invoke ron prince you just <laughs> had to well I, I had to live through it so i mean that was <laughs> that was my sophomore junior and first senior year at k-state so that was uh the funny thing is is texas fans also feel like we had to to live through it because as bad as it was for you it seemed that he 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 kept some of snyder's uh voodoo magic or, or whatever the wizard was doing but uh it was not, the wrong not, print not... stomp it was it was the stomp that was that was the magic <laughs> absolutely <laughs> that and jordy nelson and jordy nelson Very obviously jordy nelson. obviously so we we've concluded the football portion of the discussion we'll, we'll dabble in the football but these are the off the wall questions we like to ask and we came up with a name called shooting from the hip so uh shooting from the hip i'd like to know famous kansas state alum Eric Stone Street, if you don't know from uh, who he is, he's from Modern Family. Uh, he actually got engaged this last weekend. And so if you had to plan his bachelor party and he wanted to relive his college years in Manhattan, Kansas, what would you plan for a bachelor party weekend for him? Man, oh, goodness. Well, you got to have a pub crawl in Aggieville. Um, yeah. I mean, that's that's a given. You know, it depends on what time of the you know year we're doing, you know, the bachelor party. Probably, uh, hopefully, would do the bachelor party in the fall and not the wedding in the fall. Um, you know, <laughs> band fall weddings, but uh, you know, maybe go to a football game and you know tailgate and party and then do pub crawl. You know, I, you know, if you want to be a little bit more laid back, I might go up to uh, 
to to Tuttle Creek and go up to the, you know, go, go fishing, do something crazy up the lake. And yeah, I'm not really a big party guy. So, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not creative that way. So, you know, it's <laughs> plenty plain and, you know, keep coming back to pub crawl. It's, that's a good time. <laughs> in Aggieville. Nothing wrong with it. That sounds, no, that sounds great. I like it. I'd sign up. If Eric Stone Street wants to invite me for that bachelor party in the coming weeks, I, I will show up. Uh, we don't fish for Eric Stone Street. We'd probably, you know, they'd probably shut down the streets and just have a huge street <laughs> party. Uh, you know, just it'd be like fake Patty's Day. You guys nice. probably don't know what that is, but uh, no, it's uh, St. Patrick's Day, but on steroids because it's the weekend before. Um, so we always do say they always did St. Patrick's Day the weekend before so that before college students left. And they uh, they shut down they shut down all the streets in Aggieville and just have a huge humongous party. Uh, it was just straight up uh, place to get drunk and go <laughs> crazy. So, um, and you called it fake Patty's Day. I like that. Yeah, they didn't do it. Obviously, didn't do it last year. I think they're trying to kill it for this year too. Sure. Um, but you know, like Oktoberfest, except in the spring, it's just a big party I, to get drunk. I I love that. I always love colleges, no matter where you are, no matter what part of the country, find ways to just throw uh, ridiculous, ridiculous parties. I love each, each campus's little tradition. So, um, a, a person who obviously every K-State fan is aware of, every UT fan has to be aware of. Um, but I mean, the name that looms over it all is 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 Coach Snyder, Coach Bill Snyder. And recently, uh, Bill Connolly and ESPN released their 50 best coaches of the past 50 years. And I thought a really fitting and really great um, placement for Coach Snyder to give him the credit uh, that maybe he doesn't have on a national scale, um, but put him at the number eight spot. Well, this week, Paul Feinbaum, vehemently <laughs> vehemently disagreed with the top 10 spot for coach Schneider and even said he may not be a top 40 coach of the past 50 years. Now remember future sec members, Texas here on this podcast, but uh, we're going to clear out of the way you say <laughs> anything in your rebuttal you would like for Paul Feinbaum about why coach Schneider is, is a top 10 coach, man. I, I don't even have to say anything. I, I just have to defer to, uh, to John Fabris. Uh, it coached with Snyder on the, the 97, 98 team. And then of these last years, he called in while Feinbaum was discussing this and, and Feinbaum let him talk for 15 minutes. I mean, this Love that. Fabris has coached at, at Georgia. He's coached all over the South. He's coached at K state. Like he's coached with some dudes and the stories, obviously he was telling about Snyder at K state that Feinbaum had no idea about because he's just a talking head on the radio and doesn't actually know what happens in the Midwest. But um, you know, and and uh, by the end of this, Feinbaum had had changed his tune and nice and was uh, was pretty you know like you know convinced that you no know, cider is actually worthwhile. Of course, uh, you know Fabris he he brought up uh, you know Barry Switzer's comment about uh, you know they they asked him about Snyder back in the '90s and he they said you know he's he's not just the coach of the year, he's not just the coach of the decade, he's the coach of the century because of, you know, what Snyder did at K-State because, you know, Switzer remembered walking into Manhattan and destroying K-State teams 50, 60 points like it was nothing. You know, they had their fifth stringers in at halftime because it didn't matter. And, you know, all of a sudden Snyder comes in and they actually play football now. Um, And that was, you know, something even Connolly talked about. Like, like he, he, you know, he was – he thought he put Snyder too low. Like he wanted to put him higher, but then he thought he was going to get a lot of backlash for putting him, you know, higher. And so he put him low and then he still got a ton of backlash because he put him too high. Like, this is crazy. I, you know, I wanted to put him higher and, you know, for K state fans, you know, especially those of us, 
that understand where K-State was when he arrived in 1989. You know, it, so literally the worst program in Division One football at the time, had the most losses of any program in Division One at the time, and turned it into a team by the, you know, the end of the 90s that was winning 11, 11 games a season every year. And within a uh, Sir Parker, you know, didn't get into the end zone, but they counted it anyway, uh, touchdown against Texas A&M from playing for the national title in 98. So, uh, you know, these Texas uh, fans and K-State fans have something in common that we can also uh, disagree that we don't like the Aggies. So, you know, it's, it's fine. Uh, <laughs> we're not, we're not ever sore about that, but uh, <clears throat> you know, <laughs> so, uh, but uh, and, and then you look at, at Snyder's coaching tree, the guys he's put out like Bob Stoops and, and, you know, Brent Venables over his, you know, the most celebrated defensive coordinator at Clemson. And as, as long as, uh, you know, um, Dabo keeps playing him like a head coach, then he's going to stay there forever. So, uh, you know, I, it's, it's, to me, it's hard to underrate, um, or hard to overrate Snyder. Yeah. Uh, but again, I'm a little prejudiced. And so I understand guys that, you know, don't cover K-State don't, don't cover the big 12, how they would look past Snyder or all they've seen was, you know, Snyder 2.0 that, you know, after he came back and doing a lot more smoke and mirrors and didn't see the, just the absolute dudes that were on those teams in the nineties, you know, just studs across the board, guys that had long careers in the NFL. Like, I mean, like actual legit talent on those, on those nineties K-State teams. I, I feel like, you have to be either like just completely blind to like what happened in the Big 12 and or born in like 2004 ish to not right. get like the impact of Bill Snyder. It seems just it's it's absolutely ridiculous. Okay, so we talked about Deuce Vaughn earlier and you, you brought up the other name that's going to be linked with him forever, Darren Sproles, because they're both diminutive running backs who went to Kansas State. And so I, I want to know. Do you think that in 2039, class of 2039, there's a 5'4 running back uh, that's going to sign with Kansas State? Do you think they can go any shorter? Because, you know, Darren was 5'6", <laughs> Deuce is 5'5". Five, five. Do you think we could find a 5'4 running back that'll carry Kansas State in, in 2039? Uh, you know, I, I think anything's possible, although by 2039, probably the uh, the floor for, for football players is going to be like 6'8". So... <laughs> You know, people, they just, everybody keeps getting taller and taller and taller. And so, you know, the short guy is going to be like, like six, three and, <laughs> you know, so it, yeah, I, I think they could though. It, we, we uncover those guys that uh, overlooked by the, uh, the Texases and the OUs of the world. And, and, uh, you know, that was, that was a story. I, I, I feel like I remember seeing something about, cause Deuce grew up, I said, he grew up in Austin, right? As, yep. Yeah. The high school's like an Austin suburb. Yep. Yes. And, and, uh, um, and, you know, grew up a Longhorn fan, like most kids would in central Texas. And, you know, they, they didn't want him at all. He's just this little guy, like, you know, well, we don't need you at Texas. You're too small. And so he comes up to K state and say, well, thanks. Thanks guys. We appreciate it. Thanks for ignoring this kid. Uh, we'll take him. <laughs> so uh, well, I'll just, just say this and we'll, we'll move off the deuce train, but, uh, a good, good friend of the show has come on a couple times, coach, 
Zajac coaches at Cedar Ridge. He just missed Deuce. He got there right as Deuce was leaving, but obviously saw the saw the film, heard the 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 talk, and you know, just they talked about him in these vaunted terms and said he's going to be a problem for for Texas when they play him. I don't know if anyone thought freshman year, but he just really had high expectations. I texted him after that game, that freshman game, just to to get his opinions, and he was like, he's even better then I realized he was going to be like that what he did as a freshman, I thought he might do as a, you know, as a senior. So it seems like even the people that, that were in his corner are being wowed by, uh, by what Deuce can do. So um, like I said, uh, every game except Texas, I can, I can root for the guy to do well. There you go. <laughs> so, all right. So one question we've been asking everyone just kind of, uh, you know, in addition to conference realignment, there's, there's the shift as uh, the, the NIL as players can now be awarded for their uh, name image likeness uh they are um deals are happening things are interesting we like to ask people who aren't you know uh, from other schools who we, we may not know all of their history all their players all their local businesses all their whatever if you had to dream up the all-time greatest nil deal for k-state sports doesn't have to be football could be any sport with it with a k-state athlete and a a business venture who would you pair up oh man uh that's tough. There's there's a lot of really good ones. Um, although I I think I'm actually going to have to get a little. Uh, we'll, we'll go we'll go PG thirteen with this one, um, <laughs> and it's it's uh, it's Bill Walker. Well, he goes by Henry now. Uh, basketball player. He was uh, one of of Huggins recruits and uh, and Gatorade. Because uh, what so what happened was and I I think it was the KU game, but I forget exactly which game it was. But it, it was coming down to the wire last like minute of the game and dude has to pee <laughs> and obviously like that point of the game like he doesn't have enough time to go back to the locker room and come back so they they cover him like like the, the student trainers all stand around him and he pees into a gatorade towel like you know it, it's got the gatorade logos all over but it, he pees into a towel because it's i mean he, he gotta go <laughs> so you know, like that, that, that one always like sticks out in my brain, just, you know, <laughs> seeing the Gatorade towels covering this guy while he had, he's peeing right there on the sideline. And, you know, he's, he laughs about it now. It's, you know, it, you, you do what you got to do to keep him in the game because he was, you know, a NBA prospect. You got to keep him on the court. Sure. So. <laughs> I love that. I did not know that story. That's, that's an incredible story. I just was thinking as you were talking about that of Gatorade's tagline, is it in you? And just Tim turning <laughs> right. to the camera and saying it was. Um, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> uh, that's great. I, I thought you might go with, you know, uh, Jordy Nelson's George or some premier denim company in, in, in Manhattan. I didn't know, but that's that. I couldn't have dreamed one better than that. That's probably our best answer thus far when we've asked that question. So you nailed it. Yeah. There, there's a Michael Beasley moment that also, if you got, you could have gone Michael Beasley in milk. Cause there's a moment where Michael Beasley broke his finger at a game and he just looks at it and says, Oh crap, that's my bone. And so yeah. I would have also gone for the milk, for the milk lobby for Michael Beasley would have been an acceptable. Answer. <laughs> Our problem with Beasley is, you know, I, I would think, you know, he'd, he'd have to go with some dispensary in Colorado or California <laughs> right. or something right. like there. I, right. You know, Very that's, fair. That was kind of his MO. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's enough said. Okay, so JT, man, we appreciate you coming on, man. If people want to have some more of what you've got, where can they find you on the internet? You know, always definitely follow the blog, bring on the cats. I terribly unfunny. Uh, if you really care to, you can follow me on Twitter um, at uh, at JT Arkman. That's that's a long story. I've had that since I was in like you know that's that's been my handle since like middle school. But nice. uh, you know it. 
it, it works. It, it keeps working. It's it's just the gift that keeps giving. I, I picked well, but uh, but definitely at Bring on the Cats on on Twitter, or Facebook, or you know, hop over to the site. We're we're generally pretty nice as long as uh, uh, you don't mind, uh, especially to Texas fans, as long as you don't mind a little ribbing about uh, sure. the greatest K State quarterback of all time, Garrett Gilbert. It's fair. It's about it's, the only joke. I mean, it, that's it's my, well my favorite joke. It's my favorite joke. I, it's well earned. I mean, K-State is also the place where uh, Jevin Snead, I believe the, the Colt McCoy-Jevin Snead debate was was eventually settled because Snead was coming in the big ranked recruit. And and uh, I believe he got hurt or McCoy got hurt. And that's when it started the debate. Either way, there was a K-State injury. I think I think actually McCoy got, got hurt in that one. Never mind. Uh, so, yeah, you have been mean to our quarterback, so stop it. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> You, except for except for Sam Ellinger, like you need to keep that guy around because he's the only one that seems to like consistently do well against K State. If, if Tom Herman did anything in his <laughs> in his time in Texas, hopefully he took the curse. <laughs> <laughs> well, JT man, we really appreciate the time, brother. Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. All right, Gerald. Uh, so let's wrap it up with a little Godzilla Tron. What have you been watching on your giant screen? It was a varied week. We'll go and say. Um, my wife and I started White Lotus on HBO and it is, it's weird and none of the characters are super likable, but it's really well acted. We're probably not going to like binge it. A lot of people are really like super into it. It's just not necessarily something that we enjoy, but I appreciate good acting. And so we'll probably pick it back up at some point. Something we are enjoying reservation dogs on Hulu. Uh, that is a comedy that you don't want to watch with your kids, but it's actually set, uh, in a, uh, in a, on a native American reservation in Oklahoma and so my wife is from Oklahoma City and so we we ended up watching this it's actually pretty funny it's uh re- created by Taika Waititi uh the guy who's behind you know the the most recent Thor movie and you know Jojo Rabbit a lot of really good stuff but it's a- about a group of uh, four kind of wayward teenagers on a Native American reservation and, and that's something that you actually there's not a whole lot of economic options for the kids on on reservations and so they they dive into that a little bit they're uh committing crimes to try to raise money to like move out of Oklahoma and so that's kind of the central theme and that kind of kicks off everything but it's really funny and the finding a Native American cast and teenage actors that are actually really good and really funny um, is is important and so it's cool that they got that representation out there Uh, and then I started reading the Sandman it's a comic book they're trying to do an adaptation of it with Joseph Gordon-Levitt so figured I'd check it out and do some reading after the kids went to bed so uh, that was my week in what I was doing. Gerald I I have a couple follow-ups were there in Reservation dog sounds interesting. Um, were there any like um, zoom in shots of delicious, delicious fry bread? Because the, my brain does that on its own many times. Uh, if it's on there, I might have to tune in to watch it. I might watch it anyway. Sounds good. But no, no fry bread, unfortunately. Mm. Okay. All right. Okay. I, I think you think each each show should should dive in. It's like it's like uh, Tony Soprano eating the gabagool. You know, you, I, I want to know. <laughs> About the finest food products uh, as we a lot of dive meat into pies the in the first episode, though. I, I love a meat pie, so okay, I, okay, I could be in on this. Um, White Lotus, I actually, I think we we're about to start. My my wife was very interested, and in, and I uh, I've put I've paused a little bit, but I've heard enough people say like, give it a shot. So I then think I'm gonna, I think I'll try. It. Maybe next week I'll have an update. So for me, continued watching Deadwood. That's been my solo project here uh, without my wife lately. I've I've powered through. I think I'm penultimate episode of season two almost done with season two um very very good i'll have some discussions once i'm finished about timeline and and certain things 
taking up three episodes and then people just walking normally like they didn't have an ailment but um really really good show uh i'm, I'm liking it a lot uh i'm left a little bit on a cliffhanger where i was so i can't wait to like get back into the next uh episode with uh anyways i won't i won't put it out there because i don't I, well yeah i guess it's 15 20 years old show gerald i'm on the cliffhanger there has been a horse wild loose through the street and a certain young child uh was last seen laying on the ground and uh, i need to understand what happens next it seems like an emotional cliffhanger but i also watched speaking of emotional experiences i also watched bo burnham's inside which i don't know if uh, you're familiar with that or if a lot of people have been i i've been a bo burnham fan since the youtube days when i was a young kid like him um it's an interesting introspective weird covid quarantine piece of art where it's just him uh like think like what was the sam rockwell movie where he's an astronaut just by himself um you know but like how do you act and how do you drive a a a piece of art when it's just you acting but in bo burnham's case it's also you producing coming up with the idea and like basically you're just this trapped isolation you feel it as it goes on and like you see his hair growing and his beard growing and like you just see this like isolation that he's going through and kind of this like devolving of his mental state and like he's trying to do comedy but you can also tell he's actually struggling um and it's just this like really interesting like you laugh and there's some some really catchy songs because he's a very catchy you know sketch song writer and some stuff that you know you'll see on tiktok videos as a background song but there's also like a I don't want to call it a darkness, but like a really vulnerability through all of it. Um, and, and again, I don't know why, maybe just again, going through this and I've been working from home through the entirety of this uh, global pandemic. And so um, these shows that really kind of have that emotional pandemic experience crux to them, I haven't come across a ton, but the ones that do and really it becomes a central plot theme. I mentioned that with the last chance you basketball ending, um, but uh they they seem to like affect me and so i really actually like i, I found myself just thinking about it a lot since i've watched it and, and i have gone back and watched a couple of the songs again there's some really really catchy tunes in there but um thinking about what it says on mental health and just uh just you know a, a guy who is a comedian and like he's he's bringing light and funny and he, he talks about it and so sings about it how hard it is to do that when you're by yourself and you don't see people and there's no one laughing at your jokes and you're you're also like under stress and under pressure and this you know it's just a really interesting i've never seen anything quite like it so i would recommend it if you're looking for something cerebral and you want to laugh and maybe maybe tear up it's it's a really really interesting watch that i maybe didn't wasn't ready for and didn't expect to be what it was the the time capsule that is like covid episodes or covid seasons of things is going to be really interesting to look back on in like 10 years it's kind of like looking back at like writer strike seasons of shows mm -hmm. right now where like I was thinking about like Mythic Quest, a show that I really appreciate. They had a really incredible COVID episode. And part of why it was incredible is because it really summed up like the moment where you realize like work is the work is like the only thing I'm doing. Like I don't do it. I, I work and then I go to my couch and I go back to work. And mm -hmm. like it was poignant because like everybody watching that episode felt it. They dropped right in the middle of like last fall. Mm. And so I'm curious what that's going to look like in like 10 years. What we're going to look back and see like this weird time capsule of like yeah. you know, 2020, 2021, and hopefully it'll end soon. Dear God, end soon. Yeah. I, I mean, even to go back to your point, White Lotus, wasn't that, isn't the, the kind of point of it? I, if I remember, it's like all filmed at one location in Hawaii. It's like all central place. It was kind of like created with shooting during COVID yep. in mind. So even if it's not 
COVID is the plot point. It's like, think about this, like you said, the, the writer strike and, and just the ripple effects of, of media that we're going to consume and, and explaining certain things to, again, kids and future generations who, who don't have the same grasp that, that, that adults did during all this. So um, yeah, it, really interesting. And I, I would, I would again, re resubmit uh, my, my offering of Bo Burnham's inside as one of the, if not the singular, most unique and interesting COVID piece of, of art that I've seen. It's so good. And that's all we've got for you this week. Kyle, where can the good folks find you on the internet? Oh, you can follow me uh, on Twitter at Kyle Carbon. You can also follow the Texas Pregamer at Texas Pregamer. You can follow me on Twitter. I am at GH Goodridge. Follow the show on Twitter at Longhorn Pod. Facebook and Instagram, the Longhorn Republic. We'll be back next week. It'll be our first, Kyle. It's going to be our first game week show. So, so Tuesday, we're going to preview the Longhorns. We'll, we'll wrap up and give you our season preview of the Longhorns. And then on Thursday, it'll be game week. It'll be game preview. And that'll start our normal sequence where we do a recap following the game. We'll be have a live stream following the game. And then we'll hit you on a Tuesday and a Thursday cadence moving forward. Thank you so much for tuning in again this week. And until next time, hook them. Hook them. Sports are back, baby.